this reading from St. Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. And this is Jesus uh, speaking to us. Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Brothers and sisters, This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Last week we meditated on the words of Christ in chapter 7 of this gospel of Matthew in which our Lord instructs us to not only hear the word and read the word but to, to do it. We're to be doers of the word, the word in action. And when you think about it, if we are to be physically healthy, there are certain things we need to do, certain things we should start doing, and other things that should be avoided altogether, right? You know this. And if we're to be spiritually healthy, the same is true. God cares about us and wants us to do certain things, like putting the Word into action, And the Lord wants us to avoid other things. And just as we learned last week, uh, hearing the word and then not thinking about it or putting it into our daily lives. All this was included in last week's message. If you missed that sermon, it's still available on our social media platforms and you should give it a listen. Today we look at these words of Christ in chapter 6 where Jesus speaks to us about practicing our piety. What does that mean? I'm old enough to remember in worship as a teenager uh, words like these. We gather in faith, piety, and fear of God to offer our worship and praise. And sadly, in these last 50 years, 
Uh, that word piety has been forgotten, and if it's used at all, sometimes it's not meant to be a compliment. He's so pious. She has so much piety. But it's not a bad word. And when you consider the many faithful ways that the original language in the New Testament, Greek, can be translated into English, some of you have Bibles where that probably reads a little differently. Practice your piety, doing your righteousness, performing your religious duties. And some of you like that paraphrase of the Bible called the message where those same words are rendered when you're trying to be good. So, from what Jesus tells us here today, it's important that we do our righteousness, carry out our responsibilities. The Lord wants us to try to be good, to practice our piety. But what Jesus warns against, you heard it, is trying to be good in order to be seen by others to get people's attention. That's where Jesus says we get into trouble. So we should, according to Jesus, give alms, pray, and forgive others. But not to make us look good. We do these things without fanfare, without boasting, without any attempt to draw attention to ourselves. And we do these things knowing full well it may cause others to reject us uh, mock us or persecute us because there's no promises this side of heaven that, that practicing your piety is going to uh, earn for you uh, any kind of affirmation by the world. Some may scorn you because of your faith and your obedience to Jesus, but we do these things. We practice our piety because they're the right thing to do, not because we want to make ourselves look better, not because we want to show off, but because we make it our aim to please God. So Jesus says, faithful followers uh, should give their alms. Now, the people of Israel knew that in order to recognize the lordship of God, Yahweh, who had led them from slavery and bondage in Egypt to the freedom of the promised land, they would offer uh, 10%, a tithe of their wealth uh, to the Lord in the temple. Alms were additional gifts beyond the primary gift, the tithe, meant specifically for the hungry, the orphan, the widowed, the poor. And this was not an option. Jesus says, when you give your alms, not if you decide to give an alms every now and again, when you do it. So Jesus is assuming this is what we do as his people. And we give alms here at Faith. In addition to all of your generous gifts that help us keep our doors open and carry out our vital ministries as a congregation, we do even more. We partner with these other organizations like the Rock at Noonday because of your alms giving. And Jesus says, don't do it for show. Don't do it to be noticed. Don't do it for special recognition. We've been enjoying some really nice weather here in Albuquerque. Duke City the last few days, but if you haven't heard, let me tell you, it's going to change this week if the meteorologists are correct. We're going to have weather that's more like winter, right? Snow. For like three days, right? 
And that's going to make some of you start getting all Christmassy. And I've heard it. Rumor tells me that some of you already have your Christmas decorations out. You know who you are. Because in the midst of COVID, you just want something joyful, some, something hopeful, the lights, the beauty of those Christmas decorations, to each his own, to each her own. But soon enough, it will be winter, Advent, Christmas. And once again, we'll be doing here at Faith what we have called for years now the Generosity Initiative. For those of you who don't know what that means, briefly, a member of our congregation offers 550, $50,000 in matching gifts every December, dollar for dollar, for your offerings, your gift of alms, supporting ministries outside our walls. He has promised to give $50,000 until the day he dies. And he's promised, and it's part of his estate planning, that there will be another $150,000 for the next three years, 50, 50, and 50, to keep it going in the hope that somewhere in there, one of you might pick up the baton and keep it going. So whether you give 50,000 or 5,000 or 500 or five, we do that to the glory of God. And I have to tell you that through the years, people have come up to me and said, hey, pastor, psst, hey, just, just between the two of us, who's given that money at Christmas? Who, who's given that $50,000? I just need to know. Well, I can't tell you, and I won't. Because this fellow member of the body of Christ doesn't want to be known. God knows his generous heart. Oop, now you know he's a guy. God knows this brother's heart and why he gives. And it's not to be admired or acknowledged. It's to glorify God, encourage almsgiving, and support these ministries that are so vital in our community and around the world. He knows that's what matters most. In addition to giving alms, as an act of discipleship, as a mark of faith, Jesus reminds us that we should be people of prayer. Not if you pray, but when you pray. If you love God, and you know how much God loves you, you want to be in conversation with your Father. You pray. I was reminded this week as I thought about today's sermon of a woman in our congregation who has since long ago gone home to Jesus, but in the last weeks of her life that were spent in hospital, her health was deteriorating, and uh, everyone knew that she wouldn't be going back to home here in town. She was going home to Jesus, and she only had a matter of days. And one day when I was making my hospital rounds and making my visits, I was with her and members of her family, and her, her young doctor came in and was really apologetic. You know, I'm sorry that none of the treatments are working and that we can't turn the corner on this. And, and he said, so I suppose all we can do now is, is pray. And this woman from her sick bed that became her deathbed said, oh, doctor, we're Christians we don't turn to prayer as a last resort. We pray at all times. I, I've been praying to God every day. I've been praying for you. <laughs> and I'm going to keep praying for you, doctor, till my final breath. I mean, what a witness 
from this dear sister in Christ. And so often we do say that, well, we're going to try this, we're going to attempt that, we're going to do our best effort, and then if that fails, well, shucks, now we'll start praying. Christians should live a life of prayer. And to borrow the language of some of our brothers and sisters in the Pentecostal tradition, you know, uh, what we do should be bathed in prayer. Our lives should be saturated in prayer every day. Like so many of you, I was touched last month by the witness of the brothers and sisters in that prayer march in Washington, D.C. Our nation, our leaders, our politicians, they need our prayers. But when the march was over and all those people went home, God still calls us to be people of prayer, right? God calls you to be a person of prayer. Um, One of the things I hear from people over and over is I want to pray, but I don't know how. I don't know where to get started. Just this last week, I was in conversation with a young man who's having a tough go of it right now for a whole host of reasons. He was not raised in a Christian home. His parents aren't believers. He has met some Christians. He wants to find out more about Jesus. And he said, I'd, I'd even like to start praying. And he's just being honest. He says, but it just, it just feels weird. And he closed my eyes and then start talking like, Like God's listening? That's just weird. I said, well, it might seem weird because you've never done that on a regular basis, but why don't we see what Jesus says? And so we we looked at Matthew 6. Here's a prayer. Oh, I think think my grandmother said that, the Lord's Prayer. I said, yeah, she probably did if she was a Christian. And that's a prayer that you can use every day. And as you pray it, think on every word. I mean, this is a radical prayer. This is not a safe prayer. Lord, your kingdom come. Wow. Your kingdom come to the principalities and powers of this world? To to the adversary of Christ and his domain? Lord, may your kingdom come and may it come through me and and by me and by my faithfulness? Wow. That's you saying, Lord, count me in. And so we looked at the Lord's prayer and I said, "And, and here's something that might help you. I learned it when I was a teenager long ago at a high school retreat with my, uh, my church family, the other high school students there. Uh, STP, it's really simple. S, sorry, T, thanks, P, please. That might seem really unsophisticated to you, but, but it works for me at 63 years of age. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I did some things today I shouldn't have done. I'm sorry. Lord, there's some things I should have done and I didn't. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for all the ways I have disappointed you, I have grieved you. I'm sorry for all the ways that I have not been the person you've called me to be in baptism, and I want to do better. I'm sorry, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're still working on a sinner like me. Thank you, Lord, for my church family. Thank you, Lord, even in the midst of these COVID protocols that we can still gather here with tape and and stickers and masks. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus is still uh, on the throne, and he's promised to come again. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the Sandia Mountains and that beautiful sunrise every day. And and thank you, Lord, I woke up to see it today. And uh, I don't mean to be um, in any way uh, trite, Um, but I I thank God for simple things. Uh, Some of you remember I was afflicted a few years ago, and I couldn't walk, and Kirsten, my wife's pushing me in a wheelchair. Lord, thank you that I can walk today. 
my knees are aching with arthritis and I'm feeling every injury from high school and college sports, but thank you that I can walk. And Lord, Lord, thank you for fresh, strong, black coffee. I believe that is a gift from a loving God. And if you're a decaf tea drinker, that's fine. Thank God for your decaf tea. I don't know how that works, but you thank God your way and I'll thank him mine. And Martin Luther, by the way, said that we shouldn't just pray the Lord's Prayer when we're in worship. He taught people in their homes, confirmands, listen up. Pray that prayer every night, thanking God that you've had another day to live and serve him. And should you not die through the long night hours, as many people did in the day of Martin Luther, if you wake up and, oh, I'm still alive, I'm here, I get to greet the new day, say the Lord's Prayer and ask God to go with you and ahead of you as you serve him. And then thirdly, uh, Jesus emphasizes one aspect of this prayer of his that's now ours, that we should be forgiving as God has forgiven us. And this is where a lot of Christians get, get tripped up. And um, I've been a pastor a, a little while. And from the beginning till just a couple weeks ago, I've had people say, um, those people who abused me when I was a child, they're not sorry. Some of them even kind of gloat over it. And I'm supposed to just forgive them? Uh, my spouse who betrayed my confidence, I'm supposed to forgive her, I'm supposed to forgive him? Are the people who backstabbed me at work and set me up for failure? Knowingly, intentionally, I'm supposed to forgive them? When God speaks to us and convicts us of our sin, he wants us to repent. That fancy word is metanoia, to turn away from it and in the process acknowledge it. Lord, I have sinned against you. I name it, you know it, but I admit it. Please be merciful to me, a sinner. And God is so ready to forgive and renew and cleanse us. So when there's people in your life who have harmed you, especially those who should have protected you, when those who have done you wrong, those who have, who have injured you spiritually, physically, emotionally, I think we follow the mind of Christ by simply giving them to God. Lord, these people, you know what they've done, you know who they are. I entrust them to you. You're God, I'm not. You are the judge of the living and the dead. So Lord, have your way with them because you don't want to give them any more power in your daily walk than they've already had through the years. You need to be able to give them to God and move forward by God's healing power at work in your life. But then if that sinner who harmed you, who sinned against you, comes finally acknowledging the wrong that was done, well, then you have a decision to make, don't you? And Jesus says that decision has eternal consequence. When a person finally repents, acknowledges, and says, I'm sorry, puts him or herself before you, saying, I'm culpable, I did you wrong. Well, then you have a decision to make. 
Several years ago, I found out secondhand that a person was lying about me, and it wasn't just little white lies, it was really wicked stuff. And you know how it works. You've been around. Stuff like that gets passed around. It's gossipy, right? And in a matter of days, I was getting emails and phone calls from people who'd heard these lies and asking me, why, why would you do such a thing? How could you be so terrible? I decided to just give that person to God because he was not repentant. And I decided the best I could do is just, you know, keep my distance. God, you know what he did? Have your way with him. Melt his heart. He's yours. I'm going to get on with my life. And then one day at a funeral, our paths crossed. And anyone who knows me knows that I have a sweet tooth, and I had to go back for yet another uh, white chocolate macadamia nut cookie in the fellowship hall. And that cookie just set me up because I get my second cookie and I turn around and right there he is face to face. And I was doing my best to stay on the perimeter and avoid him. And my blood pressure went up. I could feel my pulse quickening. And before I could say a word of righteous indignation, he said, Bruce, I'm sorry. I apologize. I did wrong. And um, I'm asking you right here to forgive me. I had a decision to make at that moment, didn't I? I could have said, well, why don't you just stew in that for a while? Why don't you just, you know, feel guilty and then come back in a month or two and maybe I'll forgive you then. But I had a choice to make. And I'm not saying it to boast. It was really hard to see that person face to face knowing what he said about me and how my reputation was damaged in this community. But I said, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I forgive you. And friends, hear me. I didn't offer forgiveness because I'm so good or holy. I'm not. I am a sinner who trades on God's mercies every day. But I granted forgiveness at that moment because I know how good and loving and patient and for forgiving God has been with a, a sinner like me. So seek the mind of Christ. Pray on these things that the Lord has taught us these last two weeks of meditation in Matthew's Gospel. Um, do the Word. The world needs Word doers who let their light shine. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to forgive you because He's so ready to forgive. And then God give you the strength to forgive others when they acknowledge their sin and come to you. And may the peace that far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord now and until we see the Savior face to face.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.